Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. I'm Christopher Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce and Joyce. It's the moment we've been waiting for. We're finally able to talk about the Oscars for real. For real. Because, what, like, two weeks ago was fake? <laughs> well, like, now it's like people have, like, seen the stuff and, like, oh, like, we've been, we we're talking about before, we've made a lot of changes, at least in Rest Picture, after the response to some of these movies at Venice, Telluride, and Toronto. The Toronto Film Festival, Joyce, somehow still going on. I still see people tweeting about it. It's been going on for a month, I believe. I mean, you, you could just mute it all, so. No, then I, I don't, I mean, I mute everybody, but then I go searching to see what they're writing about, so I can see, I, even though I mute everyone. Um, no, Joyce, this is great. The Oscars, I went, I went to Telluride, so we have not talked about this at all. I wanted to see, like, what your impressions are of, like, this season so far and versus what I can see. I've only seen, because of the way the, the festivals have split, I've seen only, like, a handful of the... The movies you haven't seen any of them i don't believe um no well no i've seen don't worry darling right of course we saw don't worry darling obviously uh, we saw that together best picture front runner uh yeah. but we have not you have not seen like i saw i tell you right i saw like tar and women talking you haven't seen those yet but like what is your no. take and, and like i i prefer that way like i like not seeing things when like everyone right now is like descending on all these fests and like you said actively tweeting like every 15 minutes so about something because I like um not like knowing too much at, especially at this point and you know like the truth is like to predict stuff you don't actually need to see anything it's like because it reminds me like when I was a kid like growing up I didn't see most of these movies by the time the Oscars rolled around like I saw a lot of them afterwards you know it didn't so, stop yeah. me from predicting anything yeah I mean like a lot of this stuff is like based on like narrative who's putting the movies out what the what the general sense is a lot of times the movies themselves are secondary my take this year was i wanted to i don't love the uh, th there's a there's a just i don't know if you know this on uh, when people see movies at festivals they love to come out of the movie and then tweet uh histrionic oh, uh, comments because like usually you, you know when you get there they tell you like the embargo like there's a social embargo a review embargo they tell you the time so you know especially if the embargo is like weeks later this is like super inside baseball but if, if you see the movie like two weeks in advance, you could schedule a tweet to go up at like 10, 15 a.m. when the embargo lifts, you know? Right. So you could do that or you come out of it and there's always a, a festival high, I feel. So I was like, I'm not tweeting about, I think the only movie I tweeted about was my beloved Armageddon time, Joyce, because Jeremy Strong in the movie says attache case with his very thick uh, Queens accent. And it was just, I mean, that is beauty. It was a beautiful moment for me hearing him say attache uh, Also, case. um, you know, every, every, you know, the, the festival high, everyone is just hyperbolic, whether it's in praise or just dunking on something that they don't like. Yes. And we'll talk about that because I think there's one particular movie, at least that has now kind of like already dissipated from the conversation, but I, uh, that I think had the highs and lows uh, after Venice and Telluride. 
And then, yeah, I mean, like, so you, the, I would say take everything you've read so far with a grain of salt. Uh, if you're like, I would not. And I think, you know, you don't know. Well, you can just, just wait to see these things yourself. Well, you can wait to see these things yourself or you don't even need to see them, like you said, and just like kind of like wait to see because obviously the people tweeting about this stuff are not people voting for the Oscars. Exactly. Right. So they'll, it's they'll like, get out, you know, if they're part of the 359 Critics Awards. Right. They, they could do like, that, but know, a lot of those then will play like, catch up stuff there. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's it. So, so basically, so what is your take so far on what you've been reading uh, of this season? Um, I love how uh, a lot of, uh, you know, expected front runners or favorites or, you know, whatever you want to say, because, you know, people have been predicting stuff since the beginning of the year, you know, since, since January 1st, because it's a new cycle. Um, and a lot of these contenders have uh, not necessarily flopped, but like mixed response, let's, let's say most of them, very mixed. Um, and very few have emerged with just all out raves, like, you know, like Noma Land style or like Tar of the Dog style. Um, like Tar is really the only one. And, um, yeah. And I, I like that because it's, it's not that I want movies to be bad, no, it's far from it. It's it's just like I like when like you know our expectations are shattered. You know, it's like super like this had Oscar buzz, you know, because it really opens up the playing field in a way, because now it's like, oh shit, maybe these things are not gonna hit at all. Or maybe they will, but we don't know. Like maybe it's just gonna be another disconnect, like Green Book style, where like critics hate something, but the industry loves it, you know. So I think it, yeah, it's still exciting because a lot of these movies have either like polarizing responses or just really mixed in general. And that's been amazing to see because I think you're exactly right. There's zero consensus. Like last year, so like I was at Telluride last year, everyone saw Power of the Dog and was like, beautiful movie, great movie. Even people who didn't love it, like me, I did not love it. I was like, oh, it's good. Everyone thought it was good. Even it, like at the worst. At Telluride this year, for every movie that I saw that I was like, that was actually great. I would come out and talk to somebody and they'd be like, that was terrible. So there, and then for movies that I was like, oh, that was really bad. I would, or I did not, it pre, I did not get it. Someone would say it was great. And I feel like even Tar as, so like Tar, I, I think you're right. At Venice, it got rave reviews. I saw it at Telluride. It's a, uh, a good movie. I really liked it. It reminded me a lot of like, I mean, obviously Todd Field, like very, very much like a Kubrick disciple, right? Cause he was like in Eyes Wide Shut. So it's like that kind of like, detached but it also felt a little like there will be blood which i guess was also inspired by stanley kubrick because paul thomas anderson loves stanley kubrick um and it's good and she's amazing and like i thought it was like a really good movie it's actually much more entertaining than i expected i don't know what your expectations were for but it's like i mean that's totally the type of movie that would be up my alley even before anyone had seen it so it's, it's incredible it, i think i think a lot, a lot of the worry was that it would be too inaccessible but the response to it is, has been like it's actually not yes it actually you might even the trailer i thought was like remember like the opening teaser when it's just like her with the cigarette yeah. smoke it like very looked like very arty and then you watch it and it's like but none of this is even in it basically and it's just just like very straightforward and borderline like I find things it's not, I wouldn't call it like a black comedy, but there it is funny, like at parts because she's just such a uh, the character is just so uh, up her own ass. Basically, it's really, uh, really good stuff. And Kate is unbelievable in it. That was the one that maybe had the best response, I would say, at Telluride. But even that I like I, I talked to people and they were like, didn't like it, 
walked out, stuff like that. And then like a movie like wait, Bardo. Wait, wait, who is, uh, before you continue, who was your Spencer friend this year? So one man, when I was walking out of Empire of Light was like, just saw an Oscar winner. And I was like, that was the vibe of Empire of Light at Telluride, where it was like, it's in, it's funny that you said like how critics and audiences, that felt like a possibility for like a green book style thing, because I think a lot of the, the critics I spoke to were like, there's obviously a, like, it's incredibly well made. There are a lot of great parts. Like Olivia Coleman is great. The score is Trent uh, Reznor and Atticus Ross. It's awesome. Great Roger Deakins cinematography, incredible production design. All these different parts are great, but the movie is like mixed to worse maybe. But then like people like that guy was like Oscar winner, you know? And like, I think the sense of Telluride was at least is that older audiences, uh, perhaps of the academy side of things would really respond to something like empire of light where its critics will seemingly not but then a movie like bardo which i think before we saw it people were like that'll be the critical choice right like obviously like an esoteric like uh auto fiction from alejandro gonzalez and Yuritu. and then all the critics can't stand it and then at telluride joyce the note a theme i noticed was well venice it got pretty much eviscerated would you say that's fair yeah. <laughs> and then at Telluride I was hearing more people like appreciative of it but a lot of so Telluride there is like a lot of filmmakers there like Chloe Zhao is there Barry Jenkins is there and those people loved it like Chloe Zhao and Barry Jenkins were very high on it it seemed. Lulu Wong was tweeting the hell out of the movie and so it makes you wonder like a movie like that, is that like the anti-green book or somehow where it's like well, critics didn't like it and don't seemingly will come around to it. I don't think it's going to get like a renewed uh, uh, appreciation from critics since a lot of them have already seen it, but will the industry itself really respond to it? And will filmmakers respond to it specifically for Alejandro to get another best director nomination after winning back-to-back -back best director awards? I mean, that's like, I found that funny. So like all of these are like, well, the other funny part race. was he was trying to hit back on a lot of the reviews, yes. but then and like accuse a lot of them of racism. Yes. But then in the same quote, he says he doesn't read the reviews or he didn't read the reviews. <laughs> right. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he did, uh, or at least had them yeah. read to him, maybe. Maybe he doesn't read them specifically, but maybe he understands what's going on. Uh, so that was Telluride. And like, and then Toronto happened. And oh, I guess the other one to Telluride was Women Still Talking. <laughs> <laughs> still happening the other one to tell you i was women talking that was like women talking and empire blight were the two big uh premieres there and uh women talking was very well received it seemed people it, did respond to it a lot i was saying this to you offline uh when you go to festivals joyce i think a lot of people who were there are men and uh a lot oh, of no are, really yes. um you mean just like how most critics are men yes and oh wow yes it's, it's wild and a lot of men that i spoke to really liked it and then I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if, because I think, so women talking, if you don't know, Sarah Polly movie, it's based on a book by, I forget the author, great job by me. I think it's like Miriam uh, Townis. Let's see. Good mm -hmm. stuff. Miriam uh, Toes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Look at that. T-O-E-W-S. Tows? Like Lowe's? Toes? It's fine. I'll figure uh, it out. I have like six months to figure it out, Joyce. We'll be fine. Uh, so Sarah Pollard directed it. Incredible cast produced by uh, Frances McDormand, who has a very, very small part. She's not in it at all. She's barely, uh, you know, like she has two scenes maybe. 
uh, and Dee Dee Gardner and Brad Pitt from Plan B. And it's a very good movie, very talky. I saw people comparing it to like 12 Angry Men because it is basically just like, here are a bunch of people in a it, it is It pays off the title, Joyce. It is a lot of women talking. It's about a uh, religious- I mean, that, I, I love when movies is just a title. It's great. No one says women talking in it. It's not one of those where you could like Leonardo DiCaprio meme it. It's it's like The Sixth Sense. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, and so it's about this a religious community. Uh, they're not named, but it's like Mennonite or whatever. It's based on like, at least inspired by real events. They uh, All the women in the, in the community were being uh, systemically sexually assaulted and raped by the men in the community and being lied to and told that it was like a demon or some kind of like fantasy or magic. And they're caught in the act. And then the women have to talk about how they want to move forward. And so they use Sarah Powell uses that. And it none of the the sexual assault stuff is just seen like very briefly in like like flashbacks or whatever. It's not like graphic at all. And it's mostly just them talking about how to respond. But it also feels incredibly modern because you have like three different generations of women in this room and they're all talking about how to move forward and process like all these uh, like misogyny and sexual assault and all these things and how to move forward and what they want to, how they want to respond. So you have like the older generation being like more like forgiving, let's say, or whatever. And then like the middle generation being much more angered and aggrieved, the younger generation really expressing their trauma in a way that triggers the middle generation. It's like really well done. And I just really liked it. And there's one male character and it's Ben Wishaw who literally plays like not all men. He is like the most uh, kind ally. So I was like watching and I was like, well, I think a lot of men will respond to this because I think they'll react to the Ben Wishaw character and be like, I'm like that guy, even if they're not kind of like White Lotus style, right? You can't, the object of the satire maybe doesn't get the satire. Um, and so I, initially that was the response, but then I've seen perhaps some people suggesting that men would not respond to it. And at Serrano, it's seemingly a lot more of the male critics were a little more uh, yeah, uh, unhappy the, with the it. The response at TIFF uh, was a lot less enthused. Yes. And I think, um, and I've seen a lot of just complete polar opposite takes on Ben. Like I've seen some people say, you know, he's definitely getting in, and others say like he's definitely not getting in. <laughs> we could talk about that. I waffled on that myself. I think initially at Telluride, a lot of the buzz was the idea that it's hard to be hard to pick one of the women because they're all incredibly good. And again, Frances McDormand is really not in it. So if you're thinking of predicting her for best actress, don't do that. And even supporting actress, I don't well, think. Well, she also doesn't win supporting. She only wins right. lead. And she's not, wouldn't even get it. But there's like, you know, Rooney Mara, I think. Is, I mean, I think the two is Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley. Right. Those are the two standouts. And Judith Ivey is really incredible as well. And they're, so the three of them and then Rooney is good. And then Ben is the only male. I think a lot of people were like, oh, maybe he would get a, uh, you know, dragged along. And like, if you're looking to honor the thing, it does feel like more of way more of an ensemble though, the way it's put together and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like those are, those are the ones I've seen. And then at Toronto, there was also uh, the Fableman's Choice, which was- Yeah, um, Spielberg has, he, he brought Fableman's to TIFF and yes. it was a huge deal. What? Because he was doing a festival premiere Yes, as he, as he said incorrectly, and then other people incorrectly reported, uh, he was like, it's my first festival movie. It's it was his first, first TIFF. Toronto, yes. Yeah, it was his first, his first TIFF, not his first festival. No, he's been in many Far festivals. from his first festival. Yes, <laughs> and I am, uh, they released, so the movie premiered Saturday night, uh, right after Knives Out, which another movie that I think has 
maybe like reframed itself as an Oscar contender because of how some of the Netflix movies are performed. We could get to that. But Fableman's Rita Saturday night, pretty late, like I think after nine o'clock and after a long day of movies. And the response was almost unanimously good, if not euphoric, I would say. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, that the response was what, what I expected. And it wasn't, I didn't expect it to be completely over the top. Like, right. Um, in some other, not not necessarily this year, but in like previous years, where like some films just everyone is just salivating over it. Um, I felt like it was it was not going to be one of those films that would produce um, a mixed response or you know a, a lower than expected response. So I think it met my expectations, um, and I think it's good that people were not like egregious in their praise of it because it's already the front runner and a lot of its rivals are seemingly falling by the wayside. So you don't, it, it doesn't need an even bigger target on its back. So, I mean, like it could win like people's choice, like who knows, maybe. Um, and that will even, you know, solidify its position as a front runner even more. So, um, but I think it's, it's good, like, cause there were still, you know, some reviews still had some reservations about it. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like, it, it wasn't like totally reserved, but it was just like, it's good. But like, you know, these are like some issues or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And it's still, it's like, it's yet again, you know, another love letter to cinema. A lot of love letters to cinema yeah. this year. And a lot of filmmakers deciding this is the time to be reflective on their lives. So we've had, last year we had Belfast and Licorice Pizza, I think would qualify in that, in that world. This year you've got Armageddon Time, which James Gray is like nakedly autobiographical movie about his own life. Bardo, which is, basically Alejandro and Gonzalo Zinarito. I'm surprised he actually didn't just star in it. The, the actor uh, who is in it uh, basically plays Inarito, uh, Daniel Jimenez Cacho, <laughs> and looks just like him and like moves like him and everything. Uh, and you have Empire of Light, which Sam Mendes has said is based on his own experiences and with the cinema choice. Uh, and everything else. Yeah. And, and then Spielberg. And then he, he said like he, like COVID, like, not forced, but like inspired him to like look inward right. and write about this. So. It, and if you're watching and you're like, who is the, the Mendes character? I don't believe there is one in that one because it's about uh, Olivia Coleman is a, a woman with some mental health problems, works at a movie theater, and she strikes up a relationship with a man played by Michael Ward uh, in 1980s London. So it deals with like mental health struggles, which I think was one of the things that Mendes, at least at I talked about being inspired by. And then just the racism that he, saw in 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 early 80s england and that is like he uses the michael ward character to express that i guess uh and the magic of cinema also a lot of magic cinema choice this is going to be this is the year movies movies uh now more than ever for for this year's oscars i guess yeah so well like the thing with like empire of light again like mixed response so then when fableman's premiered and uh a lot more positive response there was like you know the inevitable comparison of like what um if i mean if you didn't like empire of light it was like what mendez like did quote unquote wrong right what did right i hazard to like we'll talk about this because again uh we're gonna be talking about these movies for for six months maybe four months five months a lot of months because you know as the oscars account tweeted on monday the day of the emmys it's exactly six months until the oscars so we're gonna have a lot of what do you think will win best picture that's what it tweeted amazing monday september 12th uh a lot of so a lot of time to talk about these and the empire of light i don't think comes out until december so like three months from now 
So I'm not going to like, I don't want to spoil or anything, but there were things I thought about it that were really incredibly, like I said, all the pieces are really good. I think the movie itself, it's the first movie that Sam Mendes wrote by himself without a co-writer or without working from somebody else's script. And I think he had a lot of ideas and some of those ideas are not as fleshed out as other ideas. And then some of it doesn't like totally connect. Uh, that was my take. But again, very worthy film, uh, but maybe not the slam dunk that people expected just based on the pedigree. Also, for, for people looking at that, Colin Firth, not really in it very much either. He has like a very, he's a, definitely a supporting part, I would say. <laughs> so, Which I think a lot of people figured out, yeah. like just based on the set photos from yeah. the spring when they were filming, um, yeah. because I think people thought like Olivia and Colin were a couple or whatever. Right. But there were a lot of set photos of her and Michael. So Yeah. Uh, one last thing on Fablemans, I would say, and I agree with everything you said about the response too. The thing I, I thought, again, because I'm very cynical, I feel like certain movies automatically have targets on their backs right before it even starts. And so like, I think the Fablemans and Babylon this year are the two. We had a Babylon trailer this week as well. So that is not screened yet, but the trailer was like, Hell yeah, to me. I was just like, yes, do Boogie Nights and Wolf Wall Street. But those movies had targets on their backs. The fact that the Fableman's response was like not over the top praise, but also not like this sucks and I hate it so much leads me to believe that it's actually good. Like trying to read between the lines. Because I think if it was even remotely questionable, people would have pounced on it. That was my, because they know it's the front runner. Yeah, so they want to take it down. I, I don't know. Because I feel like a lot of people there like these festival goers and pundits and critics or whatever, they're also very aware of how their hyperbole can affect the race, even though they want to be, you know, first. They really right. want to be first with like right. the tape on it, you know, right out the first screening. Um, so yeah, so I don't know like how much that self-awareness affects their take when they know this is a front runner and they know these other films have, you know, uh, moved lower down the rankings, let's right. say. And and like if they think like their you know like their take uh can influence uh the fableman's position in the race and like how do they want to modulate that so but i i but i again i didn't expect the praise to be excessive because i it's also i don't think it's that type of movie and i think you just also expect a spielberg movie to be good like <laughs> that's true i mean when does he ever miss really bfg yeah. was that the last one he missed like honestly but like, it wasn't like horrible you know like it's it, bfg i'm not a fan of but i i, I would agree his BF, his if his worst in like the last 20 years is bfg that's better than most filmmakers best so <laughs> um the other so two things before we go to our our again early picks choice but i want so like uh the other one's another movie that kind of seemingly polarized and i don't know if flamed out but we'll see it, we haven't seen is the sun which i think we were both like very expectant of because of uh Florian Zeller it's, and the father. A lot of, uh, you know, speaking of divisive. A lot of, uh, look at Letterboxd, a lot of like two-star reviews on Letterboxd. Uh, not the, not what you want for that. Seemingly very divisive. Obviously incredibly heavy and dark material. And I think that has polarized people in a way that the whale, I guess we could put in this part too, has not, though I think the whale is polarized for other reasons. It seems like a lot of the response to the whale has been like, people are openly weeping in the aisles and are very affected by Brendan Fraser uh, and like basically throwing themselves on the ground at his feet. And then also there are people who are like, this movie is legitimately like an act. I, like there was a headline, a Polygon review. I'll just read the headline for it. Cause I just couldn't believe it. Again, I haven't seen this movie 
and based the uh, the polygon review, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale is an act of hate disguised as tough love. So definitely on the opposite ends of the spectrum where you have like people like Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, and then this movie is a hate crime. So another one that may be polarized, but that and The Sun, I think are two that I could put together as like It, it was, divisive. yeah, so the, the Whale did not have, it, like, it, like all the praise was just basically reserved for Brendan Fraser. Right. Um, but like the film itself overall was like, you know, pass. But it had a much better response with the TIFF crowd, which is also not surprising to me. Right. I mean, TIFF is more, so like if you think about this, like Venice is very, I'd say of the three, I don't know. I mean, TIFF is definitely the most mainstream. It's the biggest tent. Yeah. Most movies, most people, uh, most That's why like, they have the People's Choice Award. They have the People's Choice Award and it's like Green Book won that. You know what I mean? Like it's, that is the biggest tent. Telluride is much more like, cineast slash LA I feel like when I go I'm like not there's not a lot of east coast representation up in Telluride Joyce yeah and then Venice is like people who wear top hats I don't know I mean I just think it's like very fancy that's my impression yeah, of it yeah, I never went and you know um you go there to spin on Chris Pine so you go there to spin on Chris Pine you go there to clock a standing ovation you got to like sit there with the stopwatch they give those out yeah, before you, you go you, in you know you go in a boat go in a boat oh, ride yeah, I've seen those go boats. A ride. yeah those look cool it looks yeah, like Indiana the, Jones the photo for Instagram. So yeah, do it for the gram. It's like Indiana Jones last crusade. And then they give you stopwatches when you get off the boat and everybody's timing those standing ovations and uh, you spit on Chris Pine. So that's what Venice is like. Tell you right again, like more like, in, I feel like it's more industry of my, I've been to tell you right in Toronto and tell you right is absolutely my favorite. I think it's just like really good. And the, the experience. It, it also, it, it feel, it's a lot, it's the smallest in scale too. Well, yeah, let's like, so Toronto has literally, like, we're joking, still going on, right? Like, as we're recording this, is September 14th. I think it started, like, I don't even know, last week, two weeks ago, who knows? Telluride is, like, over three days, and there's only, like, 25 movies there, so you actually could see most of the movies. I feel like I didn't really miss anything at Telluride that I really wanted to see. Um, and at Toronto, I think you're, it's tough to see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the other Toronto one, before we do, it was Knives Out, like I mentioned. I was expecting that to be very warmly received. Uh, the original was at t- Toronto and was like everyone like going, doing somersaults over it. And uh, the same thing happened this time. People really like it. Seems like Ryan Johnson did not miss. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like it. And I met my expectations. I don't know. Met my expectations too, which I think actually for the Netflix slate is a positive because like we were talking like Bardo is a little divisive. White noise we didn't even talk about. Uh, premiered at Venice. Open Venice that like 17 years ago. So right. It opened Venice in 2017, I think, actually. Uh and I don't even think you know it's at the time I, it's funny. This is how much like you're right. Like the whole season has been a lot of like just polarizing this had Oscar buzz type feels. But white noise the reviews at the time, it was like when I saw those, I remember thinking like, oh no, not know what you want. But now after 15 other movies have like been split or worse i'm like oh white noise maybe could have a nice little bounce back at new york film festival because it was not really negatively received i think it was mostly just like it's good not great that was like the general critical consensus it was also that was also what the expected reception would be because it was like it's hard to adapt this book right into a film like let's see what he does Noah Baumbach and, and yeah it wasn't like overly negative it wasn't like a Bardo-esque reception no and now I'm like oh maybe that could have a comeback and then I guess last thing I'll say before we do this is obviously with all these movies falling off 
I think it's given an opportunity to really entrench movies that we expected to be there from the spring and summer to be yeah, there. Yeah, that, that's the other part I like about uh, these, you know, projected Oscar contenders sort of, you know, falling out, let's say. It's like, yeah, this really solidifies like everything everywhere all at once, you know, we're like Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> and when and I like, was- it's at- cool to see these films that, really like I've mentioned this previously in one of our Oscar playbacks but like films that when they were being made they, you can tell they had absolutely no Oscar aspirations and, and I that's always that great they just want to make a good movie and that's yeah. always actually like a really good thing I would say at, at Toronto and Telluride everything everywhere was very top of mind because Michelle Yeoh is all over the place she was at she is campaigning her ass off so and she was at Telluride with like an award every single yes. place every she, week. She was at Telluride with a, a re rescreening, a remastering of Crouching Tiger and did like a Q&A. And she was, you know, at the Sony, I think she went to the Sony Classics dinner, maybe. I think I saw her because it's a Sony movie. And so it was like hobnobbing it up in Telluride. And at Toronto, they just created fake awards or something for like all these contenders and she and Brendan oh, Fraser. Yeah, won. no, the, the best is like... So I, this is like total semantics, but I hate when people receive, it's not just like a tip, but like anywhere when people receive honorary awards and then everyone says they win an award. No, yes. they didn't win. It wasn't competitive. Like they, they just knew got they were getting award. this. Right. They were chosen by people to get this award. Right. So she's all over the place and really running. And that was top of mind. And then just honestly, like this is completely anecdotal. So you can take this with a grain of salt. But when I was talking, Telluride is fun because you stand on line with strangers and you just talk to them. Or for my case, I uh, stay up on the mountain, Joyce, and I sit in a gondola and ride up on a gondola with people. You on a gondola. It's really great. Uh, And you get to talk to people in those gondolas. And I'll tell you what, at least one or two people, when I was like, they were like, what's your favorite movie? And I was like, of the year was Top Gun. Still my favorite movie of the whole year. And I was like kind of embarrassed. And they were like, absolutely the best movie I've seen this year. So people really are still loving Top Gun. And it actually- How many times have they seen Top Gun? I mean, I've seen it twice. I didn't ask them how many times they've seen it. Actually, one woman said she saw it twice also. She went both times in the theater. She was a projectionist and I was talking to her outside of a movie that I love that we will not really talk about, but I'll just mention because I think you'd get a kick out of it too is the uh, Senior. It's a documentary Robert Downey Jr. made about his father, Robert Downey Sr. And it was amazing. And it's like the greatest thing and it has no distribution yet. I think it's playing at New York Film Festival and hopefully it will get this. I think if it gets actually picked up for this year, it could easily get in for best documentary, even though it's not a very, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, like a very nice group. They are very, uh, not as sentimental, let's say, but it is actually really good. And it's like Chris Smith directed it, who did American movie. Um, but anyway, that lady outside of that movie, she was like, uh, she, she was a projectionist and she had seen it twice. So Top Gun, I was like, very much solidified, I think, especially after how all these other movies performed uh, so far. That was my main take. Um, yeah, and also um, sort of good for Elvis too. <laughs> I think so. It's funny, Elvis has been on HBO Max. It came on right over Labor Day weekend. And I guess another anecdotal thing, but I'm wondering, like I've seen people maybe suggesting that it doesn't play as well. I have not rewatched it. I saw it in the theater maybe doesn't play as well at home, but I have a hard time believing that because it is kind of like like an energetic movie, but I think that'll help it too because a lot I, of these movies have flopped. Yeah, um, I think if you're watching Elvis at home at this point and you hadn't seen it yet, I, I think it, you're just kind of like looking for something to watch. Like if, if you weren't waiting for it to come on HBO Max to watch it. Right. You know, and I, so um, my friend told me, she, she saw Elvis in the theater 
And she said she had no idea that Baz Luhrmann directed it until the credits. <laughs> it's funny that I, I guess it is like, to me, it was like the most least Boz-like and the most Boz-like. It both mm-hmm. at the yeah. same time. Um, but, I mean, I know she just somehow completely missed that it was a Boz Lerman movie. And so she just saw it um, to see an Elvis movie. And then, but then she was like, once she saw his name, she's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's amazing. So, I know. So I'm just wondering like how many people now just, you know, scrolling through HBO Max on a lazy Saturday for something to watch and they watch Elvis, like how, like, do they know that this is a Boz Lerman movie? Cause I, I can also know. see like, if you watch it, you think it's going to be like some straightforward biopic, you could be completely turned off. Right. You know, True. Yeah. True. Uh, all right, Joyce, so should we do our picks now, our early updated picks? We, last, we have our picks from August was the last time we did this. Now it's mid-September, so it's only a month. But uh, now but so I feel much like has happened in a month. <laughs> a lot has happened. And like, I think we're really, uh, so I guess I'll read off my, I guess I'll do, I'll read off my picks and then I'll read off my new picks, Joyce. So August, this is what we were thinking in August, not seeing anything. We have a whole spreadsheet now. It's a whole spreadsheet now. <laughs> it's like our March ones. Uh, our margins are here August, too. I have to like up the, I have to like re I don't have mine alphabetized when I read them off, but I'll put them on the spreadsheet and I'll alphabetize it for next time. Next time we do this. Uh, but I have Babylon. This is August. Babylon, Bardo, Empire of Light, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, She Said, The Sun, Top Gun, White Noise, and Women Talking. Now, She Said has not screened yet. Uh, and everything else we've talked about has either screened or is already released, except for Babylon. Uh, but now, Joyce, I have. Uh, Babylon, and I have the Banshees of Inisherin, which we did not discuss, but that is uh, Martin. That was, that was one of the few ones that survived. It survived incredible yeah. rave reviews, maybe like Martin McDonough's best movie, mm-hmm. it seems. So I have Babylon and Banshees of Inisherin, best picture. I have uh, that's one, two. I have Everything Everywhere All at Once, still The Fablemans, uh, Top Gun, Women Talking, Tar. And then my last three are all uh, not alphabetically here, obviously, but a little little dart throws. Glass Onion, I put in for Knives Out. I think the response to it was really strong. People really seem to respond to it. I think the fact that some of these other movies have flamed out, supposed, you know, kind of, or at least are not as unifying as a Best Picture nominee, I feel like Glass Onion could get in. Though I say this with reservations that I think it could also be like Avatar 2 or Black Panther 2 as like an audience movie. Uh, I have The Woman King, another movie that I think has been very well liked. Everyone mm-hmm. seems to enjoy it. And, and they've they've cranked up the ads this week. It, it comes out like Friday. No ads this entire time. And then you start playing ads like in the start of September. And I swear to God, during the Emmys, they played that ad like at least 152 times. And I get the sense everyone really liked it. It's very appreciated at the very least. I didn't see one person saying like it's bad. It seems like it's like it, just, good. it feels like it's like a very um, yeah, like, like fun crowd pleaser with like great action set pieces and great performances. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know how far it'll go Oscar wise, but I like I, I just want it to be a hit for Viola, like just a box office. It opens this Friday. Yeah, I think actually um, it could. And I think again, I think if people respond to it the way they have, at least in yeah, Toronto, I think the best thing for it is to just leg out at the box office. Like it doesn't need to blow off the box office this weekend, but if it could just like a leg out for over the next month, like that'll be really good for it. Um, 
because you know it, it this it reminds me of like widows because like that you know premiered at the festival yes. like got a great reception but that did not do well so the, i think the difference to me is that widows ended up not being like a mainstream crowd pleaser yeah and this feels like it's right down the middle i mean like every like it looks like gladiator people are comparing it to gladiator maybe that's a self-fulfilling prophecy but like that's what it kind of seems like and the last movie joyce i have for best picture then is living uh which you were way early on that was one of the ones i saw I tell you right I, I was way early on on bill nye i don't even have a spoiler i don't even have living and i'll tell you what uh Here's why I put Living. So Living is uh, was at Sundance. It's a remake of Akira, which is the Kurosawa movie. Uh, Sony Picture Classics picked it up out of Sundance and they kind of reignited it here on the festival circuit. I think it was maybe at Venice, but it definitely was the Telluride, obviously, because that's where I saw it. Uh, and it is, of all the movies I saw at Telluride, and this is, again, very anecdotal and like a small sample size, this was the one that had most people like literally in tears, including me, because it's very sweet. And like, well, you cry at everything. I know, but this was like one of the only ones I actually cried at a Telluride. And Bill Nye's incredible in it. And the whole movie is actually like really, really good. It feels like old school, like best picture, like 90s. If we're talking like, I mean, it's better than these movies, but I was like, Chocolat or like full Monty style, where it could just be like a movie that people really, really like. And I think if Sony gets behind it, I think Sony Picture Classic is behind it, especially with like maybe the sun being not the crowd pleaser of the two. I think people- Well, I don't think will... anyone expected the sun to be a crowd pleaser. No, but I think like people will respond to living really well. So that's like a dart throw and like obviously indicative of the fact that a lot of these other movies have maybe been a little more polarizing because I don't have like Empire of Light or Bardo. Uh, but anyway, I have living. So that's my 10. Um. Okay, so my 10 in August was Babylon, Bardo, Empire of Light, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, The Sun, Tar, Top Gun, White Noise, and Woman Talking. And now I have, let me make sure I have 10 here because I can't count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so now I have Babylon, okay. Banshees. I thought about this a lot. Um, I still have Bardo. Okay. Um, I have Elvis. Okay. Everything Everywhere. Fablemans. Glass Onion as well. Tar, Top Gun, and Woman Talking. <laughs> so tell me why Bardo. I think with a hard 10, like if, if it does have the industry support and appeal that it appears to have so far, like even Kate Blanchett, when she accepted um, the Vopi Cup in Venice for Best Actress, like she was raving about it. Like I could see this appealing to like artists, you know, and like just like us, us, you know, layman critics or whatever, not understanding the process of a tortured artist. Um, so I could see it still getting enough support to get in and just, you know, all, a lot of these other films as well as we said if like people don't respond to it like I think that um maybe the last two but like definitely like the tenth spot it could go to anything like I get like I thought about triangle of sadness as well yeah I thought that too but you know what I, I feel like a lot of people like while that had like great buzz out of can I feel like a lot of people who've seen it now are like not as into it and I think I've seen at least a few tweets that are like oh the menu does this better than triangle of sadness they're very similar movies apparently yeah, but i just feel like it's it's very open like there's very few locks here let's 
no. you know. Like, um, and I like I also thought about the whale in relation to best actor. I thought the whale too. I would say if I was picking, so like I actually had well, what you're saying about Barda will actually come and play for me in a one more cat in a in category in the future. Uh, I thought Bardo because I think whether you like, I could see it. it it's not going to get an act. I don't think the actor, well, depends. Like a lot of the actors might actually like it because like you said, it's about like an artist, but I think from, it, it will have a lot of support technically wise because the cinematography, the sound, the uh, production design and the score, which Inarito did himself are just like awesome. It's like top level stuff. And I think a lot of the branches score maybe is like different because if he's like a, a tourist in the category maybe they won't take him seriously but i'm like those it'll have a lot of below the line support in those categories and i guess you could argue it could actually be mexico's international feature uh submission as i was well. also thinking about it just like um nightmare alley which i don't yes. like no one hated nightmare alley it didn't get bashed like bardo did but it was just kind of like a, it was a filler nominee right you know right so for the 10th slot so yeah, I mean, I, I also thought about keeping Empire of Light just as like, you know, Oscar bait, like love letter to cinema style. Cause I could also still see like that, that also has like some polarizing responses to like some people love it. Um, so I could see the industry falling for it too. Um, I don't know. It's like how many love letters to cinema are they going to go for? I don't know. And I mean, like, I mean, I think Empire of Light was definitely like all the ones are talking, like I had all of them like in my in my pocket there i put living in only because i saw it i think if you would not have seen it you're like you're right it's like a bill nye play and this but having watched it i was like man the audience is eating this up it's so mainstream like right down the middle it feels like older oscar voters will really like it and i think even cineast would like it because of like the kurosawa like kind of uh you know remake sheen on it i don't know i just was like this is actually like really well done and the message is great and I just think looking at a lot of these movies, like especially The Sun, it's a comp. I'm just like, a lot of these are just so dark. I think Empire of Light has like a lot of actual light. Like I'm like trying to think like, what will people actually want to like celebrate? <laughs> I don't know. Empire of Light, I think could get into because like Bardo, a lot of the technical elements are really great. It will have an acting support, I think, especially because Olivia Coleman's incredible in it. And maybe it gets in as like, I could, I could see that easily. Um, the Whale, I thought yeah, too, like, like you I... said- like with living, I feel like, I mean, I still have Bill Nye, um, right. but like the film overall, I feel like, I mean, it, it could still, you know, obviously has time to grow and build buzz. Maybe that's better for it. It doesn't even open till December. Right. Um, but I, I feel like the, any, like the, the noise for it was really kind of drowned out. It was. So it was, I mean, it's, it's definitely a long shot, but I like, was like, I really, of the movies I saw at Telluride, it was like my favorite one i would say you immediately texted me <laughs> awesome. and then i was like there's no room on this bandwagon <laughs> and i have any <laughs> stolen valor for me it's fine i don't care uh for best director choice let's go there in august i had damien chazelle for babylon alejandro gonzalez nyari too for bardo ruben ostland for the triangle of sadness sarah polly for women talking and steven spielberg for the fablemans and now joyce i have Damien Giselle for Babylon. I have Alejandro Gonzalez Inari too for Bardo. I have Todd Field for Tar. I have Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick and Steven Spielberg for Fablemans. Oh my God. Uh, 
here's my thinking. So everything you said about Bardo, I agree with. I just think it's going to actually focus on Inari too. It is a directorial achievement, probably unlike any other, or at least any attempt. He really is taking a big swing. Obviously, like we mentioned, like filmmakers and actors are really responding to it. The director's branch is pretty insular, I think, and like kind of like very much a boys club. And he's obviously been there before. I think he will have a lot of support inside that branch and from filmmakers. And I think it'll be, we always say like there is an international auteur spot. And I think he actually gets it this time for Bardo, even though he's Not like the whole like movie is about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So I have him in. And the reason I put Kaczynski in is Top Gun is really good. And I think the more people are seeing these other movies, the more it's falling out. It's a complete long shot. I think he's like 100 to one in our odds. No one is predicting him, but I'm like, why not? I actually think you could argue it's no less of an achievement than George Miller did for Fury Road. And no. I think the branch um, will actually like really respond to him. So I, I can totally see him getting a DJ nomination and also being the DJ snobby. He could, he could. It could be like Villeneuve for sure, right? Like that kind of thing. I, if you'll notice, I have an all male list of nominees that Natalie Port would be very upset about. I knocked out Sarah Polly because I loved women talking. I think that because the branch is so insular and male that the when you see like, uh, Jane Campion and, and Chloe Zhao obviously winning here back-to-back years and getting nominated. Those movies were much more, uh, I don't want to say cinematic, but obviously they were like, you know, like wild open, like open range type things. And the fact that women talking is so much in a barn, uh, I think people maybe will not appreciate it. And I do wonder, I think Sarah Polly's best work in the movie is with the actors. And I kind of sometimes wonder, do people actually pay attention to that? You know, like she does such a great job with this cast and they're so in lockstep and it's such a like just everything about it is so good but I almost wonder where if the directing is too subtle to get her in I would love to be wrong I think she should get in um but I don't predict I'm not predicting it so at least right now maybe it'll it'll change probably a million times but I that's why I took her out um okay so in August I I had Chazelle in Yachty too um Mendez, Polly, and Spielberg. And now I have Chazelle, the Daniels, <laughs> uh, Todd Field, Martin McDonough, and Spielberg. So I also dropped Sarah Polly. Yeah. Um, but I dropped her more because based on like the reviews and reactions, it just um it it didn't seem like the her direction was noted as much and I don't know if it was just like like I feel like a lot of people pointed out the staginess of it um so yeah I don't know if it's because it is just like they're just sitting around talking and like you could still make that cinematic like obviously I haven't seen it so I don't know but it just feel like no one is hyping her up the same way that they were for Jane or Chloe and it it felt like it's more of a writing achievement for her. So I like, I have her in like winning adapted still. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I took her an out, out for now and I put in uh, McDonough because yeah, you know, like you said, like all the raves and uh, Todd Field as well. Um, and then the Daniels, I just did it because I feel like everything everywhere is again, you know, one of the few survivors, like from the spring, like the earliest survivor. Right, and right. I don't know, 
So I could see them like I could see them easily getting snubbed too, because like this branch is so idiosyncratic and it can be really snobby as well. So um, if, I, I think it's funny that we both have like similar thoughts. So I went Kaczynski for so top gun. Went <laughs> right, just different people. But I think the same idea holds. I think that like those are two top gun and everything everywhere. I would actually be shocked if they don't get best picture nominations, right? So yeah. like now like one of those directors or the Daniels and because I feel like they are going to get in. I do think that's true. But I went with Kaczynski because I think Top Gun is the bigger movie. We also haven't mentioned um, either Avatar or Black Panther. I So like I said, I mean, I think depending, it depends on, I don't want to bet against James Cameron, but I think until people- I just, I don't it, have either of them because like if they haven't been seen yet. So if we well, could see it as easily, I think Cameron would be the more realistic nominee than Coogler, yeah. but- um it's funny so I agree with you the other thing I noticed with women talking is like one critic when I like I watched the movie again I really liked it I actually think the last shot of women talking is like one of the top last shots of like the last few years it's so good and the end of the movie is great and she does a great job with the cast like I said um one of the things like when I walked out like I didn't even think of this but like somebody was like oh the cinematography is really weird like they didn't like the way it's it looked desaturated a lot because it's desaturated but I mean like it does take place from like dusk till dawn so it's like, of course it is. And that didn't really bother me. But one critic said that at Telluride. And then like, I've seen multiple people like parrot that at TIFF because I feel like everybody just like kind of jumps on the same group thing. Um, and so I think that kind of thing actually ends up hurting. It actually hurts Polly because like, I think people will, like be like, oh, you know, this great movie, cinematography sucks. And she's going to get blamed for like the way it looks, even though I don't think that's fair. And I think um, it works fine. Yeah, I don't know. Like I've seen a lot of talk about like the desaturation, but I don't right. know if she'll get blamed for it um like that's still the cinematography right um, so just don't nominate in cinematography if you don't like right. it so I don't know I mean I would love for her to get in um I don't know I just feel like you know in Jane and Chloe's cases like they they just felt a lot stronger at this point yes I agree um, in, in this category at least and also like their films as well like no one it's like this I don't think you know the the overall reception to women talking is positive um but it's not like front runner like this is winning best picture type of thing like i don't think it's like dethroned gablemans in that no. regard uh and todd field i feel like it's just got the, the tar to me is like there will be blood all over again i think it'll get picture director she'll win actress spoiler alert i have her in obviously i think it could get like screen original screenplay and like a cinematography nomination and like a few other nominations and it's like will be very well respected and not win a ton but i think he'll get in for sure todd field it's a great movie it's like definitely and i think like we said because of the way a lot of these other movies have fallen off like tar is a movie that i liked at the time and thought about a lot and now week uh, two weeks later i'm like that was great you know what i mean like it's that kind of thing i mean like, like i i was very excited for tar and like i was unsure of it getting into best picture a month ago but now i'm like it's gonna get in yeah yeah uh, so now we'll do best actor, Joyce. This is, I've had a lot of changes. Uh, so in, in August, I had Austin Butler for Elvis, Diego Calva for Babylon, Sight Unseen, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Hugh Jackman for The Sun, and Song Kang Ho for Broker. So those are my, those are my picks in August. And now in September, having actually seen stuff, I have Austin Butler for Elvis. I have I have Brendan Fraser for The Whale. I have uh, Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inisherin. I have Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inisherin, And I have Bill Nye for Living. So I'm going both 
Banshee's guys in lead because they're going to go double lead. So it seems like if they go Brendan Gleeson and supporting, it would be like a primo category fraud that everybody's expecting. And he could probably win or do really well in supporting. But I do think that based on all the reviews, he is kind of like the co-lead. And like, I think they'll both get in though. This mostly speaks to the fact that this category has uh, emptied out, I would say. To the point where I might have... I mean, it was emptying out last month. <laughs> it was emptying out last month. Now it's really empty. And to the point where I'm like, Tom Cruise is like sixth for me in Pop Gun. And I don't even think he did it. I have seen people talk, if not predict him. So I'm him. like, it's definitely like a, a... It's not exactly the strongest category, Joyce. So I have both Banshees guys in. I have Bill Nye, Austin Butler, and Brendan Fraser. And I would say I really wanted to pick Bill Nye. But the narrative and the, like I said, the the almost religious fervor for supporting Brendan Fraser, even for a movie that people are either like is a hate crime, according to Polygon, or just like, uh, you know, like not as is a little polarizing. I think everyone loves Brendan Fraser and it's like basically wants him to win best actor. So I think he is still the front runner, but that's my list. I don't know. Um, Okay, uh, in August, um, I did not make as many changes as you. So in August, I had uh, Austin Butler, Brendan Fraser, Daniel Jimenez, Cacho, Hugh Jackman, and Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. And now I have Butler, Colin Farrell, uh, Fraser, Jackman, and Nye. So I just replaced uh, Daniel Jimenez, Cacho, right. Colin Farrell, um, who I am very excited about getting his first Oscar nomination. I think you could argue that if it wasn't for Frazier, he would actually win, but it seems like the Frazier of it all is like going to make it tough to beat. I, so I, I actually have, um, Austin in first. You still have Austin in first. This is my first time having Austin in first. I've never had. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so it's like, I, I basically put Elvis in just so I could decide who to put first and best actor because mm-hmm. as we know uh you need a, a best picture a corresponding best picture nomination in this category the last person to win without one was jeff bridges for crazy heart well and that's what i was actually thinking i'm actually thinking it will be like that year or like uh forrest whitaker for last king of scotland that's what this feels like to me because i don't think the best picture nominees are strong enough to get i don't think butler could win personally because I think Frazier is like very strong. But I, I, think- I don't like, I don't even feel strongly about Austin Butler either. Um, I think it's probably at this point between him and Brendan. So that's why I also debated putting the whale in. So when, like, again, I could still see it getting in. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of love for Brendan Frazier. Uh, so I, I can see him winning. So I just, I just chose one movie to get the best picture nomination. Right. I think that's, and it feel, cause also last King of Scotland, still a field of five when right. Forrest won. I don't and think it would have gotten in though anyway, though. No, it wouldn't have gone in to best picture then, but like, that was just kind of like a towering performance and he swept the season. Um, I don't know slash think any of these guys will sweep the season, like including like the critics. Prizes I don't know. I mean, like the critics of like, a lot of them were very unhappy with the whale it seemed like i can see split. like colin doing well i think colin it. could really win a lot yeah yeah so um yeah like i'm not like like i i would rather just list these people alphabetically than choose one to win because <laughs> sure. like I'm, I'm not confident in either of them winning and i don't know if if the whale doesn't get in best picture i don't know if 
Brendan is like he's not a Jeff Bridges who was like way overdue to win as well um like he has his own narrative like the comeback narrative right but we've seen that falter too and I would say this like tell me I, I actually texted this somebody it feels like gosh I love Brendan Fraser he seems really charming he obviously went through a lot and like you know there's like a GQ article that you could read from like 2018 where he talked about like being allegedly sexually assaulted or you know uh by a if, if the globes give him best actor and like um, and like like and he definitely like I think he suffered a lot of like injuries on like very physical movies and like kind of like burned out like understandably and went through like a lot of personal stuff so it's great to see him back and apparently he is great in the movie I I last thing I seen him in was uh, No Sudden Move which is Soderbergh's movie like last year that he's awesome in too so it's the nice last thing him. I saw him in was uh The Affair on Showtime sure a lot of that. people calling this his acting comeback no he like he was on TV he was also in that FX series Trust right yeah. uh so I do wonder, but I wonder how you're right. I wonder how the industry views him. And like, to me, a lot of the nostalgia for him is like similar to nostalgia for like the Star Wars prequels where you have like younger people, like millennials or like younger who grew grew up with those movies and love them, right? Like the Star Wars prequels are like really great. And Brandon Frazier, I think from like The Mummy and his 90s movies and like all those things has like a real, there's a real affection for him online. And I wonder if that will translate to the Academy, like Jeff Bridges, Brendan Fraser is not Jeff Bridges. I don't think that's an insult to Brendan Fraser. And the performance seemingly is undeniable. We haven't seen it. I haven't, yeah. So uh, it could be great. And I'm not knocking it, but I'm just like, um, you know, I just wonder how much it's like Jeff Bridges is Jeff Bridges and Brendan Fraser is Brendan Fraser. And I don't know how much that's going to translate over. And then maybe, like you said, like someone like Colin Farrell could actually like steamroll or win a little more critical support. And then that would be great. I think the thing that, again, having not seen this movie, like I think his his uh, issue is that like he is just you know he, his his role is not as baby as Elvis or right. an overweight man an right. overweight de- depressed man right so, um so I went to Bill Nye you were on him early I think it's like a slam dunk nomination and especially because I mean he, I, I would love to see it too if, if he were to win somehow I, I would love to see him win I mean talk about like a guy who's like going to be great on the campaign trail Bill Nye is just like the most charming human being in the world. He had the whole Telluride audience like eating out of Palma's hand, basically. He was so fun. And I'm like, if this guy's gonna be like just shaking hands and kissing babies, uh, good luck beating him, basically. And then I had Brendan Gleason in at the last spot, and you had uh so we have the same that you have I the still, same I have you. and you yeah. kept you Jackman. So I moved you Jackman out because the response to the son has been mixed. And I would say a lot of people, at least that I've read, have been, if not critical of you, Jackman, like not necessarily blown away by you jackman and i while i think he's beloved i wonder if he's like the jennifer lopez and hustlers of this season that's my early take um well he's already been nominated before i know but like that kind of thing where it's like you're having a super famous person that you think is going to like get in and that doesn't no i don't think i mean that i don't want to go with that comp i think i think he is vulnerable um but i i think of all the performances in the sun I think he still got the most um, positive reviews. Like there are people who, who do not like his performance too, but um, I, th- I think there are more in the positive column than negative for him. And I, I think there's something about his acting style that uh, turns off some people. Yeah. Um, it could be a little bit of like an acquired taste, yeah. but um. I, I think he could be, like we said, like this category it has, 
really emptied out. So I think he can hang on. He could, um, and he will be able to campaign a lot because he's leaving Music Man and it's closing. Yeah, they in announced January. that yesterday. Yeah, it's closing in January. So I'm like, he will definitely be out there and very visible. And obviously, I think really he like pushed for this part in the sun. Uh, I think, and he really is going to be behind the movie. And obviously, Sony Classics has such a great track record of getting actors in with Bill, assuming with Bill Nye. With, with this and the whale, uh, not the whale, um, living. Right. So I'm like, I think he could get, I have him like, I have him and Tom, Tom Cruise like in that last, like in the immediate aftermath of like the top five. Um, I guess if Brendan Gleeson moves out, I would think about probably you over, you Jackman over Tom Cruise. Cause I don't think people would take seriously Tom Cruise for best actor, but now I don't think it's actually off the table because of how this category is emptied out, I guess. Imagine case. like, you know, we've, we've talked so much, well, especially us with like all our Oscars playbacks of Tom's like, will he ever win an Oscar? Like his last nomination was for Magnolia, the previous century, 1999 film. Um, yeah, best year ever, 1999. Um, you know, his three nominations. And it's like, is he ever going to win? Is he ever going to nominate again? And like, what if? I mean, it would be amazing. Best actor? It would be amazing. I would <laughs> Not just really... as a producer of Top Gun. <laughs> I, I would really love it. Um, best actress choice. Uh, in August, I had Kate Blanchett for Tar, Olivia Coleman for Empire of Light, Daniel Denweiler for Till, Margot Robbie for Babylon and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere. And I have almost, I have uh, most of that same. I have uh, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Olivia Coleman now for Empire of Light, still in. I put Viola Davis in for The Woman King. I have Jennifer Lawrence in for Causeway and Michelle Yeoh for Everything <laughs> Everywhere All at Once. So I moved out Daniel Denweiler and Margot Robbie for Babylon. I have not seen Babylon, just saw the trailer this week. Margot Robbie obviously is like front and center in it. I've heard great things about Till and Daniel Denweiler. But I think that the strength of the Woman King for me as a potential Best Picture nominee put Viola Davis in. And I think that one of the things I noted, we have not talked about Causeway. It's a very small movie that Apple is releasing uh, with Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. It's like being hailed as Jennifer Lawrence's return to acting, even though she was a lead of Don't Look Up last year. But people are pretending that didn't exist and pretending that she wasn't almost an Oscar nominee for that in Best Actress, that this is like her return. and. I don't know. I feel like Apple doesn't have a ton this year, it seems. So I think they'll be able to push a lot of, push her out there a lot and get people to watch the movie, especially because it's at home. And all the reviews I read were like, this movie's incredibly small. No one's going to see it, but she's amazing. And I'm like, I think people are going to see it. I just think like everybody's like kind of writing it off as it's like too small, but I think she could easily get in because she's Jennifer Lawrence and super famous. And if it's as good as they say, I guess. So uh, I have her in. Those are my, those are my five. Um, okay. <laughs> um, in August, I had Naomi Ackie. I want to dance with somebody. Uh, Kate Blanchett, Olivia Coleman, Margot Robbie, and Michelle Yeoh. Um, and again, very few changes. <laughs> so now I have uh, Kate Blanchett, Olivia Coleman. I uh, put in Danielle Detweiler, so I dropped okay. Naomi Aki. Okay. Um, and I also had dropped Margot as well, but I just put her back. Wow. <laughs> so I still have her. Um, and uh, Michelle Yeoh. Okay. So I did think about Viola. So I put in um, Danielle Detweiler before The Woman King premiered uh, at uh, TIFF. And so yeah, and I debated doing her again um, today, but 
I, I can see her getting in at SAG. They love her at SAG. And yeah. She'll probably win at SAG. She <laughs> so. could. I mean, people really have like really responded to her in the movie. And like I said, this is now we're doing the September. Who knows? Like it could flop. I don't want it to flop, but it could be a bomb or like people are just like not into it and maybe it just disappears. But it does feel like she is like, it's hard to discount Viola Davis, I would say, especially in this kind of like well, physical. I think like, like right role. now for me, she's probably in like, I don't know, like six or seven or something. Right. Um, yeah. And I think it will also depend on how it does um, when it opens this weekend too. And, you know, for the next month, basically. Um, J-Law, so what you were saying about Causeway and it being small, like, yeah, that's what all the reviews were like. And if you uh, read her Vogue cover story, they uh, basically, so they were filming it um, in 2019, obviously pre-COVID, and then they shut down. Um, um, and then when they resumed like they did a lot of uh reworking of the script yes because they realized that like she and brian tyree henry have really great chemistry it's not a romantic uh, right. thing at all it's just like they're they're just these uh two people um dealing with trauma who right. uh befriend each other um and and yeah so basically like if you read that profile like she they talk about like how um yeah like every day on set like they they were just workshopping it and there's a lot of scenes that are improvised as well and brian talks about like her improv skills too yes. um and what you're saying about being small and then based on all the reviews about it i felt like if this opened at sundance like everyone would be raving about it you know exactly i think that's exactly right and that's why i was like like i said like i just think the way this is shaping out this year like like so many of these movies have maybe like not popped i think daniel deadweiler could easily get in because i think it's a strong narrative she's obviously on the come up from like having great performances in uh specifically station 11 which i just loved her in she was so good um until seemingly is like really strong at least i talked to a couple of people who saw it and they were like it's great and she's awesome in it so like i could definitely see that happening um but I just thought Jennifer, I was just like, Jennifer Lawrence is so famous and people really do, I think in the industry like her. And like we said, like last year, she, I don't think she would have gotten nominated, but she was definitely like not a joke consideration for Don't Look Up. And to me, I'm like, if she's actually like really good in this movie, I don't think the fact that it's small will like hurt it. And especially because it's going to be on Apple. Like I would argue that more people are going to watch Causeway than see The Whale, you know, because it's like, it's going to be on Apple. People can just watch it. They're going to be like flipping around on a Friday night and be like, oh, let's watch Causeway. Even if they don't love it, like they're going to see it. Well, I mean, I think like Apple will push it, but if you're just talking about like regular people. who I'm like, talking about app. I think Apple will push it. And I think people will see it like, like people who are not going to screens will see it. And then like maybe also get invited to stuff. I think they're just going to push it. And I have spoiler alert. I'll have, uh, we'll mention Brian Tyree Henry again as well. Cause I think uh, he could be due. Um, yeah. I think she'll also need, like a lot of like precursor support too because right. I can't really even though she's like super famous the former winner and everything like I don't know if she could just pop up on nomination morning with no I yeah like I think she would need like some critical support which she actually might get based on the reviews I could see like a group or like a pretty significant group maybe coming to bat for her uh two people we, I didn't one person we didn't mention was Anna de Armas for Blonde I almost put her in it seems like everybody is like at least appreciative of her performance, but it doesn't feel like it has enough. It's not like, I think the comp is like Kristen Stewart and Spencer, but I think the movie is more polarizing and people are more like, good for you rather than like, let's give her a nomination. That's my sense. Um, honestly, I haven't really thought about her. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like, like it's not- just like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, the Spencer comparison, like in terms of like the vibe of the film, yes. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was also kind of like no one even before the, the film premiered was kind of um, like expecting a nomination for her like they were for Kristen Stewart, right? right? So, and yeah, I don't know if, I mean, like, like it'll be like cool if she got it. I don't know if the were there in the same way that they were for Kristen either. Right, right. Uh, supporting actor Joyce uh, might have changed a little. In August, they had uh, Paul Dano for Fablemans, Judd Hirsch for Fablemans, Zen McGrath for The Sun, Brad Pitt for Babylon, and Michael Ward for Empire of Light. And now I have um, Judd Hirsch, Paul Dano for The Fablemans, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans, uh, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Brad Pitt for Babylon, and Kihei Kwan for uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I put him back in. Um, okay, is that it? That's it. I'm Judd Hirsch winning. So I, I was like, at the time, I was convinced that Paul Dana would win. Uh, but I, based on the response to Fablemans and the fact that this category also feels like, if not weak, I'd say not without, there's no clear front runner here. I think like there's place, like Dana is the placeholder front runner. Um, and I'm sure I feel like he'll get nominated, but I do wonder if Judd Hirsch could just win with his one scene that people like were doing a standing ovation for based on the tweets in Toronto. And I think the narrative of him and having him be an industry veteran will go a long way. And maybe he's like the Alan Arkin of this season, even though he's in less, less of the movie. (laughs) So it would be like a Beatrice Strait type win, but I think he could win. Um, okay. So in August I had Dano, uh, Brendan Gleeson. Zen McGrath, uh, Brad Pitt, and Kiki Kwan. And again, not a lot of changes. Okay. So now I have Daniel, uh, Gleason, Judd Hirsch, Pitt, and Kwan. So. Okay. And you think, um, you think Gleason will win? I, no, I, I still have Kiki Kwan in first. I'm, okay. I'm unsure of who is winning in best actor and best supporting actor. Um, I'm pretty confident in the lady in best actress and supporting actress. Yes, but it seems a little And uh, then who knows? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so double, you know, uh, as we talked about before, supporting actor is now all about double noms after going through 26 years with no double noms from one film. So you yeah, have double Fablemans here with um, Paul Dano and Judd Hirsch right. um, and yeah like Judd does have the more raves than Paul so I feel like so Paul will be like the Jesse Plemons coattail it does feel that way because he seemingly is the much more subtle performance because he has to play like a lot of internalized strife and uh, struggle and that necessarily is not like a let's win an Oscar for that because it's not subtle it's the Oscars love uh, I feel like especially in the supporting category maybe a lot a, a little more broad um, and yeah, so then I, I have, uh, Brendan in, in supporting who you have in lead. Right. Um, and if yeah. I was going to switch and put him in lead, I mean, put him in supporting, I would really move Brian Tyree Henry. But the reason I put Brian Tyree Henry in is I feel like God, people love him and he's an incredible actor. And I think people are waiting for him to have a performance, a film performance that gets him like the recognition that maybe he deserves. And so this could be it. And 
even if Jennifer, I would give him a better shot of getting nominated than Jennifer Lawrence, honestly. And again, I think there's a really strong narrative there and an open year. Why not? He was, I also like some, I don't know, this has no bearing on it, but I'm like, he was in one of the most popular movies of the year as Bullet Train. So people are like primed to like, they're aware of him. You know what I mean? Like as a movie star, he's like on so again. You just want the Bullet Train reunion. I love the Bullet Train reunion. Bullet Train rules. It's like a better, a Bullet Train is better than a lot of these movies I saw. I tell you, right? I gotta be honest. But um, I just think he would be a great story. And I, I don't think he would have gotten in for like Beale Street, but it's like, he was so good in Beale Street for that one scene that you could argue like, it's not a makeup nomination, but I'm like, he definitely is like not an unfamiliar face, I think, to some of these people. No, like I, I agree that he feels like some someone who people are just kind of, I just opened something on my phone, okay. Um, someone who people are just kind of waiting to have the right role and the right film to nominate. I don't know if Causeway is the film. Right, who knows? Like, it sounds like he has the performance because yeah, like he he did get more raves than Jennifer yes. did. So yeah, like I think it just, like things will have to work out for the film like Coda style, basically. I'm not saying Causeway is going to win Best Picture, but no, like, no. it'll have to be like that. I, I think, and I'm wondering if the, I like, maybe I'm putting too much stock in Apple, but if you think about Apple right now, it's like they have Causeway and I don't know, like uh, Flowers of the Moon is not coming out this year, right? And maybe Emancipation is, but who knows, right? Like that's their other big one. It has not been talked Are about you in weeks. Predict Will Smith? No, I'm not going to predict Will Smith. Um, but hasn't been talked about weeks and maybe isn't even coming out this year. And so then you're left with like, what are they going to put their eggs their What eggs are they going to put in their basket? And it's like, well, Causeway. And like, even if the movie is like small, you have a, one of the biggest movie stars in the world and like an incredibly popular actor who people like seemingly like. So I think that they could actually make a really strong campaign for him. And it could be one of those movies that it's like the movie's fine, but the performances are great and they get in. I don't know. I know, but I'll, I'll also remind you that, you know, these are the same people who just checked off jk simmons this year so yes it's true um yeah who can forget who can forget jk simmons not not me you know it's 10 15 somewhere i mean great performance but holy cow uh supporting actress joyce the nominees i had in august my predictions were jesse buckley for women talking stephanie sue for everything everywhere vanessa kirby for the sun sadie sink for the whale and michelle fable michelle williams for the fable michelle fablemans uh michelle williams for the fablemans and now, having seen stuff, I have uh, Carrie Condon, uh, I'm sorry, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon for Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Claire Foy for Women Talking, Lashana Lynch for Women King, and Michelle Williams for The Fablemans. I was torn on Jesse Buckley and Claire Foy. So having seen the movie, they're both incredible. And I thought Claire Foy was like unbelievably good. She was actually my favorite part of the whole movie. I don't know if she could get in, but I'm kind of like putting her in because I want to. And Jesse Buckley is also incredible, but I wonder if the movie could support two supporting actress nominees um, when it's maybe not going to be as strong as like I thought in before I saw it, even though I think it's better than I expected, as strange as that might be. Um, Carrie Condon had great reviews for Banshees of Nishirin, feels like a discovery that people really like. Hong Chow and the Whale, I just couldn't figure out which of these actresses is going to come along with Brendan Fraser. So Sadie Sink, I love, you know, I love my Stranger Things, but based on like the reviews, everyone like really like 
was raving about Hong uh, Chow. The, the reviews were uh, not kind to Sadie Sink. <laughs> so I feel like Hong Chow will, will maybe get dragged along for the ride and like has a role in the menu this year as well. And like, again, I think people really like her. Maybe she was like, if downsizing was a little more well-received, maybe she would have gotten in for that because I think people like her. Lashana Lynch, God knows, people love her in, in this Woman King Joyce. I have not seen it yet. So I'm like, but people are, were like very excited about her performance. You're, you're just all in on the Woman King now. I yeah. am kind of. You in were, you were like, back in March too. I was, I was. I mean, like, who would she be like for like, I don't know. I'm just like, people really liked her performance. Like, I guess I I, I, I seemingly will take, take a shot in the dark there. That could change. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, that's what I got basically um what about you um so in August I had Jesse Buckley Stephanie Sue uh for everything everywhere Vanessa Kirby for the sun Samantha Morton for she said and Michelle Williams uh this one I did do a lot of changes okay too um so I still have Jesse um I have Hong Chao and Carrie Condon um, I'm a I'm a better call Saul stand, so I gotta support a better call Saul actor getting an Oscar nomination. Uh, I have Nina Haas for Tar, wow, okay. and uh, yeah, Michelle. So so the so I only kept two here basically. <laughs> so we have actually um, almost like the same group. So I went with Foy over Buckley. I think one of them will get in for sure. Yeah, I I, I did because I did update after we recorded or like in between our, our episodes, I guess. But then after uh, Woman Talking uh, premiered, I was like, I don't know. I like the same thing with you. Like, I don't know if it'll get double noms, even though this is the category that's friendliest to double noms. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, yeah, both Claire and Jesse had the best notices. Um, and then I just kept Jesse because she was just nominated. <laughs> so- so I almost kept Jesse because she was just nominated. It feels like that's a no-brainer, right? They're just going to go back to the well, and she's so good. I put I put Foy in because I think the character is more. So I think if you're watching, well, she definitely is a little bit. Well, they're both pretty. They're both Beatty moments, but I do think if you're watching the movie, that Claire Foy in the movie is expressing the rage that I think people would feel most comfortable agreeing with. She is absolutely livid that this has happened, which I think yeah. is the Yeah, great... which is why, like, I think that's why she's baitier. So. And and Buckley has to have the turn in her character where she kind of starts out a little more resigned and, like, angry and bitter and, like, comes around a little to the thinking of, like, let's leave, basically. Or, no, I don't think you can spoil this movie, honestly, because it's just, like, them talking. But I do think that uh, Foy will have... I think the audience, when they leave the movie, is going to be like, wow, Claire Foy... Like, feel that Claire Foy was, like, they feel seen by Claire Foy in the performance. You know, I think that kind of thing. So I think like she will hope, like it's just, she's so good in it. I was like very impressed with her. Um, and I just, that's why I put her in over Buckley. But if Buckley got in, I would not be shocked at all. Um, so you have Nina Haas. I've seen Tar and I would say, uh, I'd be curious to see what, I, I mean, maybe it could happen. They're certainly pushing Nina Haas, but my, but I don't know if she's, she's not in it a ton, I would say. I mean, like who cares? So well, um, I guess no, true. I have her in there as um, the Kate Blanchett coattail. Sure. Because she always has a coattail nominee when she wins. When she won for the Aviator, she had a, a two co-stars. Leo, yeah. Leo coattailed her, okay. Um, uh, and Alan Alda. 
and then Blue Jasmine when she dominated uh it was Sally Hawkins yeah so I'm just going for uh the Kate Cotel so I would say then if you're thinking of that and I guess we'll see I think uh Nomi Merlant who is the actress in Portrait of a Lady on Fire I yeah no yeah I thought about her but again I think it's like Nina seems to be the one that they're pushing they are and I think they're both in it a comparable amount and obviously she has the more explosive relationship with Kate because they're married in the movie um but I would say like if on Oscar morning this does come true I could easily see knowing we're long getting in especially with like the international flavor of the academy being like more leaning towards that I don't know I could I Nina Hodge obviously too but I don't know I I would like I I was team Nomi Merlant coming out of the movie I thought she was like amazing um she's so we're not predicting her then I'm not predicting either of them no because I just don't think it feels to me it felt like one of those things where it was like if it was one character they would easily get in but it's like the movie kind of like splits a little bit between how much they're in it they're not really comparable well, characters but like why not both no i don't think the movie could support both i don't think it can so um i just don't <laughs> so that's that's not bad though um anything else here joy so we like so we both dropped stephanie sue i felt like she was a, more of a placeholder for me i love her in the movie she's actually my favorite part of everything everywhere but i don't think she'll get in um i yeah i i dropped her um i mean i could still like sort of see her again because i think she is like a a fan favorite um but i don't know like like carrie has like great noses too and yeah i think it's this is getting kind of crowded so because like stephanie would also be a coattail basically yes i i thought Um, that so i actually think like we were talking here like best actress and best supporting actress are so much more crowded than best actor and supporting actor. And so like, I think that is going to squeeze out like Stephanie Sue and Kia Kwan, I feel like are comparable to me, but I think he's almost a much more of a lock for nomination than she is. Like he, he can win. Cause that category is so open. <laughs> Correct. And like, she might even she, get, she has to deal with like Michelle Williams. It was like probably so, so um, cool thing. We could have just Michelle's and Brendan's winning the four categories. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Just just team Michelle and team Brendan all the way. So I hope someone is predicting that to happen. So Michelle Williams would like sweep is the seemingly gonna is the seeming sweeper of this season, I would say. Already. Yeah, well, as we were talking about um like the Fableman reviews, like everyone was just it was like confirmation that like right. she was gonna win. And like it's finally her time. This will be her fifth nomination. It it's her time. This is it. Yeah. Right. Like it came true finally next year, you know, yeah. And Spielberg getting back-to-back supporting actress winners. Back-to-back best supporting actress. Like he still needs the actress win because he has the other three already. And still, yet again, still crazy that he went like over 40 years not directing a single acting Oscar winner until BDL. And then now he might get four within a decade. (laughs) Um, So- I have actually two Fableman's actors winning. Then I have Judd Hirsch and, and Michelle Williams. I think could eat. I mean, then, yeah, sure. Why not? Could win. Um, and then I have yeah, Judd Hirsch, also, uh, you know, a legend. Um, he was nominated for Ordinary People. So what if he he wins for another Best Picture winner? So he could. Yeah. I, I have Fableman still in first, but I would say, like you said, I don't think anything, nothing had happened uh, at TIFF surprise. I guess it surprised me a little bit because I think if it was. Like I said, I think if it was not great, people would have destroyed it. So the fact that it like got good reviews to great reviews means it's probably really good. And I look forward to seeing it 
outside of the buzz of these uh the festival highs yeah but- i think they, they felt like very um confident in it that it wouldn't tank um because right. then immediately the next day it was like here's the trailer guys yes. and then i immediately started seeing ads on tv for yes. the trailer that was like watch the trailer now so if i was ranking these right now this is crazy but here's what i have i have fablemans first i'd have top gun and everything everywhere second and third and then sight unseen i have babylon fourth and banshees of an in fifth i think banshees could do really well because i think it's going to get a screenplay at least two or three acting nominations could get director. I know you have Martin director. I think it's going to be very well received. Um, but I do think that Top Gun and everything everywhere are like legitimate threats to win best picture. If Fableman doesn't go wire to wire, presuming it's the favorite right now, like that's nuts, but I really think it could happen. I mean, for, I mean the, for the nomination, I would say like they're pretty safe right now um, I don't... like what would win like what do you think is going to win like fablemans i mean it's stupid to I, get, I still like, have first. so my top five are fablemans everything everywhere tar banshees um and women talking okay so i have like my my popular movies in the bottom okay um i just like put them there and then i have bardo in 10th and then right. i have babylon in sixth just because it, you know, no one has seen it. Like we got the trailer yesterday. So it was like unhinged. The trailer's well, we unhinged. We haven't even talked about it yet. No, we but... can talk about that now. I mean, the trailer, like I love Damien Giselle. I love La La Land. I think it's a great movie. I don't care if that's like, it's not cool anymore to like it, whatever. Movie freaking rules. I am uh, not a La La Land person. First Man, I think is really good as well. I know people prefer that a lot to La La Land. I think it's great also. I'm so psyched for Babylon. It looks like Boogie Nights and Wolf of Wall Street just put together. Um, but it looked very much like a movie that I think people will look forward to tearing down online. Like, cannot wait. It feels like the David O. Russell movie that's not Amsterdam and that people will love to destroy, you know, like American it, Hustle. It, it has a very American Hustle feel to it. And the right. trailer was cut in a way to, I mean, like, this is the whole purpose of marketing, obviously, but it was clearly cut in a way to, like, maximize accessibility and to sell the movie as this, like, like, debaucherous thing, right? right? Like, a, like, a debaucherous good time. Like, look at this, like, Margot Robbie, like, snoring cocaine, like, right. the opening frames, you know? Um, and, yeah, I know, like, you know, a lot of people uh, took issue of the anachronisms, so I saw that too. And I'm like, people need to log off. That would be my big thing is just log off. I, I saw somebody tweeting about that. And I actually firmly muted them because <laughs> I was just like, why is this? Who cares? Also, like, I guess, is it an anachronism that people are blowing lines like that in 1920s? I actually don't know, Joyce. I have no idea. Well, I don't think they were saying fuck yeah in 1920. No, I, like, I don't know. So like, the thing is, <laughs> I... Like, I don't mind anachronisms if they make sense for what you're trying to do, right? Like, sure. that, that's like the style you're going for. And I think the thing is, like, we don't really know anything about this movie. You know, like, at some point, it was like Margot Robbie's playing, like, Clavo, you know? So it's like, it's like they're all playing, like, uh, you know, like, everyone thought they were playing real people. Um, and And, yeah, like, it's still like there are a lot of question marks about it still and like i know the the original script is online and like we don't know how much that's changed right either and I, like the it, it looks great so it's gonna clean up below the line like production design and stuff yeah. i mean um, it's definitely to me it's like wait 
it's definitely the movie that will be the Oscar villain. There will be like a bunch of Vulture articles about how oh, much like, it like so much Twitter will love to tear it Kill down. It. Like, so like, like that. that to me is like, and I will love the movie. I, I'm like already like, unless it's like, I'm like already way in the tank for this. I love the guy. I love everything about this movie. It looks awesome. But I'm it, like, it, people- just, it feels like something. So like we, like we haven't done like screenplays yet. So like I, I actually don't have it in screenplay just because I think like it, unlike last year, original screenplay is crowded this year. So right. I do you want to, I mean, we never screenplay. did this, but do you want to do like, I mean, like I have picks for that if you want to do original. I mean, yeah, we could do it. So I have um, Fableman's, Banshees, Everything Everywhere, Tar, and I do have Babylon, but I have it in fifth and I'm not convinced it'll get in. No, so I have um, Fableman's, Everything Everywhere, Tar, Banshees, and Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Um, yeah, and like I took it out because like that's so the thing with like Damien to me is like he's, he's one of those auteurs that's just uh he's he's better at like directing than he is at writing basically what it comes down to um uh and um so that so I haven't getting into director still because I think it's still kind of like a technical achievement and they might respond to that and like especially the film does well so and like again like sight unseen like I I his his scripts are not generally the strongest aspects of his films which is why it was also hilarious to me when people were predicting La La Land to win screenplay <laughs> right I love La La Land I think his script is actually good on that but I don't disagree and I think anytime you have like a massive like long movie like this it's going to be hard to like I don't know it just seems tough. I mean like he could, he could easily get in if, it, if the film just like really takes off so right. but like I, I don't have it right now I so. uh I thought Triangle Sadness. I actually thought for original would be James Gray for Armageddon Time. I think we didn't really talk about it. You laugh. It's a great, it's actually a great movie. And I think- No, I'm not laughing at the movie. I'm just laughing at you predictably standing the movie and you're going to see it again in like two weeks. New York Film Festival. Uh, I think it's like really good. And I think, so James Gray is a filmmaker that I think film Twitter really loves. And like there is affection for him in the industry, but obviously it's not really popped from an Oscar standpoint. And I wonder if Focus really pushes hard, they could get him in an original screenplay nominee uh, as this. And like, that would be, it's like lone nomination, but I'm not sure if there's enough affection for him. The movie is really good. Actually, Jeremy Strong is incredible and Anthony Hopkins is incredible. And I could argue they both could get in, but I feel like Fableman's will like, they're basically mirror images of seemingly Judd Hirsch and Paul Dano. And I just don't think that there's enough room for like, those two and Judge Hirsch and Paul Dano. So, but I, I do have Babylon in fifth, but I'm not convinced they will make it in. I, I agree. It's not a strong original screenplay choice. And then I have, I have Fableman's winning, but I'm like, I think Banshees might win. Yeah. I think I, I, like, I was like, this could be just another loss for Tony Kushner. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, I just put over because they co-wrote it. Yes. Um, but maybe, um, you know, like, you know, Tony will get in this year. Yes, he will. I think he will. So, um, uh, yeah, but and I can adapted, so I, so, adapted. I have woman talking, like I said before, sure. winning. Um, I have Glass Onion getting in, so another one for Ryan Johnson. The Whale, uh, White Noise, and she said. Okay, so I have uh, those. I have Women Talking, The Whale, and Glass Onion as well, and then I have Living and Close. So Close is we didn't. I thought talk about, about those two as well. Actually, I, I had Living in there, and then I took it out. I think Living will get in. Um, it's like, again, I think I'm like bullish on living, but I do think Sony can get like best picture, best screenplay, adapted screenplay, Bill Nye nominations, and then like maybe score or like costumes and 
the supporting actress will not get in probably, but if we're looking for a coattail, Amy Lou Wood is the actress and she's like, I never seen her before. I think she's on sex education, which I do not watch, but I was absolutely smitten by her performance. She's so charming and like really good. And she has a great scene with Bill Nye, a couple of them that are just like kind of blew me away. And she like, they're his best scenes. So I feel like that could help. I mean, it's like a total long shot, but I'm like, maybe like a bath. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it would not surprise me to see her show up somewhere this season, especially because he's so good. And I think he's going to do really well. And then close, I think a 24 has was at can. Uh, and I did not see it at Telluride. It was one of the ones I missed, but from what I've heard, like people were like weeping, like another weeping in the aisles movie, Joyce. And I feel like it could be like the, um, what was that movie last year that everyone loved? Worst person in the world type style nomination um, for that year. So I don't know. But um, my I choice. am shocked that you don't have Top Gun Maverick in here. <laughs> you know what? It's a great script, but it would never get it. <laughs> I'll tell you another one I thought of that I could see. I just think the movie is too, what's the word? Uh, horribly graphic, but it's bo- bones and all. Uh, Luca Guadagnino movie that I saw at Telluride. Uh, is a beautiful movie and then has some of the most grotesque imagery I've ever seen in a movie. There's, the there's a lot of Academy members who are not going to sit through that movie. People were like, no way. And people were walking out in in droves, not because it's bad, but because they couldn't actually seemingly watch what was going on on screen. Yeah, there's a lot of um, people, you know, a lot of queasy people who can't. Uh, yeah, it was, it's definitely your, you hear it's a movie about cannibals and you're like, I could do that. And then you watch it and it's like, holy shit, this is unbelievably graphic. Um, and that said, it's probably my favorite movie of his. I'm not the biggest Luca Guadagnino fan, but I'm like, it was absolutely my favorite movie of his. And I think Timmy Chalamet and Taylor Russell, especially are amazing in it. And the script is really interesting and good. And I think you could argue, well, maybe get up like a couple of critical notices, uh, but I don't think it would make it in. But I thought of putting that in as well. But I think, uh, I don't know. I don't have, I, I think living in close, maybe I'll round it out. And then yeah, I have I women talking. I just, just kind of tossed white noise and she said. Yeah. In there. And then I, I have women talking win, winning here. When, like yes. we talked about. It feels like that is where the Sarah Polly win will come from. And I think people will really, uh, really like it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I guess that's it, Joyce. I don't know. We'll see. So Babylon, an early runner for for the most the most villainous movie of the year, I would say. And also uh, like the most trailer. Most trailer, most like villainous. the best trailer is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, obviously. I mean, I love I'm I'm so excited for Babylon. I can't even tell you. I'm like, this is like, I just cannot wait to it's, see it. It's I'm just like so psyched. Uh, like that, I, I don't know. Like I saw a lot a lot of takes, hot and cold on on the trailer. And it was just like I don't know, like this just, it's, it was sort of like what I expected because if, if that is not the tone of the movie, which I don't think it's completely accurate, but like, I understand why it's cut that way. Well, that was one of the things I was like, part of the reason why I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like it does look very, very more mainstream maybe than I expected. Yeah. But I think like they're doing that because they want to sell this seemingly period film and it doesn't really tell you the plot either in the trailer right you know i, I saw one person this is I, my actually my friend katie uh rich with awards uh, maybe brainworms but she was like uh gene smart supporting actress from like the one second shot of gene smart in the trailer 
and, and, and then like, they also released character posters as Lee. So based on the, that one shot, the one frame of her in the trailer and her character poster. I mean, I guess- I, mean, like, I think I had her in March. You so. did. And I'm like, I guess if the performance, like, again, these categories, I think supporting actress is a little deeper than supporting actor. But I'm like, if the performance is there, I could easily see her getting like a narrative boost, you know, from- I know, and I think some people were also- um, just kind of under in, in the afterglow of the Emmys too, since she just won again. Sure. So it's like, and yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. So I would, I would also say I don't feel supremely confident about Brad for it, but I was like, he does look like he's got like a. He is, he is like all over the trailer. Um, he, Diego I mean, Calva is is the lead, yes. but is. He, I mean, he's in the trailer more than Gene Smart, but like, like Brad and Mario are like the 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 most featured. Right. I mean, if you're, if it, the comp, but like, you know, was, they're the big, the movie stars. So you're right. like, you're I mean, the comp to me was like Boogie Nights and Margo is playing like Julianne Moore and Diego Calva is playing like Heather Graham or Mark Wahlberg, basically. Um, yeah, I don't. So, yeah, I can't decide like how well that would do acting wise. So I, I like, I still just have like Margo right. and Brad in there. I guess, so. I mean, so Fableman's I still have as the front runner. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see like what could end up winning. I don't know. I mean, like we'll see. I guess. I, I think is... um, like it's also the sense like not just because it's like the front runner, but it's like is is this the this this like you know love letter to cinema and his like movie memoir basically gonna win best picture? Like, I think some people feel like this is um not quote unquote like big enough. Right. That's the thing. But I'm like. I wonder like, based I on like, like what else is there <laughs> well but also based on what we were saying like this year is definitely about like movies we love movies right like we love movies is like the unofficial theme of this year in the Oscars and I wonder if like they'll pick like the we love most we love movies movie of this group would be Fableman's and like I wonder if that is like the you know we're we're the Oscars this year I think is gonna a lot of like I feel like the ceremony or next year will be like a lot of like Rep- repairing what was damaged at the uh this year's oscars and it will be more of like uh the we love our filmmakers we love the films we love the people nominated I mean, we love you movies would hope so but they don't really learn the right lessons year i don't think they'll learn the right lessons but i do think they're going to try very hard to do that and i wonder if they will get like the boost because of that i guess we'll see and we'll get to see are they, they going to bring back themes like bill kate's they actually should we i love know. movies <laughs> i don't know uh, Joyce, that's so that's it. So well, I guess we'll be back next week. We could like dig into other stuff, but this was like another broad overview of it all. Wow. I know. I don't think we need to uh, rehash all of our previous nominations next week. Now no, that I think we'll be now up. that we're gonna do this weekly once again. So. No, yeah, I think we'll be all right. But uh, all right, Joyce, this is fun. I'll talk to you later. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at Gold Derby. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.